On this episode of Our Common Salvation, we're going to consider a biblical theology of emotions and a practical application of what scripture says about this critical area of our lives. What are emotions? Well, I like to think of it this way. Emotions are the communication of our cravings, the dialect of our desires, and the articulation of our affections. While it's true that we do what we do because we want what we want, it's also true that we feel what we feel because we want what we want. As Dan Allender and Tremper Longman have correctly noted, quote, emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. I love that. I'll say that again. Allender and Longman have said, emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. The greatest desire of our God is that his name and fame be known, prized, and praised. To this end, God himself displays a panorama of righteous emotion across the pages of the Old and New Testament, including delight, Isaiah 42.1, love, Psalm 33.5, joy, Jeremiah 32.39-41, pleasure, Psalm 11, verse 5, happiness, 1 Timothy 1.11, compassion, Exodus 33.19, grief, Genesis 6, 5 and 6, and even hatred, Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. Furthermore, since human beings are creatures made in the image of God, even prior to the fall of man, we note instances of holy emotion, loneliness, joy, unashamedness, they can all be found within the paragraph that's located in Genesis 2, 18 to 25, prior to Genesis 3. Yet, as the Bible story unfolds, our emotional lives become far more complicated as sin enters into the world. After the fall, human emotions begin to include sinful anger, Ephesians 4, 26 and 31, bitterness, Ruth 1, 13, and Ruth 1, 19 and 20. Fear of man, Isaiah 2, 22. <clears throat> Indifference, Isaiah 39, 5 through 8. Unforgiveness, Luke 17, 4. Despair, Job 3, 1 to 26. And misplaced pleasure, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 to 12. Nevertheless, our Lord Jesus Christ himself was a man who knew joy, Isaiah 11.3, compassion, Matthew 9.36, love, Mark 10.21, astonishment, Mark 5.5-6, 5, 5 holy anger, John 2.13-17, a troubled soul, John 12.27 and John 12.21, and even agony, Luke 22.44. While the person of Christ as the God-man certainly displays the same range of emotions as God himself, <clears throat> it's the work of Christ that's such good news for those of us who are so obviously marked by sinful emotion, which our Lord did not experience. Christ died and was raised to redeem us from all lawlessness, Titus 2.14. 
including our sinful emotions. So this, in brief, is a biblical theology of emotions, from creation to fall to redemption. Scripture paints a fascinating portrait of the bad news and the good news concerning our emotions. Now, for biblical counselors, of course, the the real action is in the world of practical theology, not just theoretical theology, but the application of theology to everyday life. And in this particular case, the recovery and the restoration of the human emotions. To begin with, as we work with a counselee, there's no doubt that their emotions are going to play a central role in counseling. It's likely that a counselee's sense of feeling or mood is what brought them in to see you in the first place. Questions such as, how do you feel? Or how did you feel when that happened? Can be really helpful in making an initial connection with a counselee. Nevertheless, in time, if they are to experience genuine biblical change in their lives, then our counselees must come to see that emotions are merely the communication of our cravings. Cravings that reveal our heart's deepest desires. One thing that a biblical counselor ought to be aware of is the tendency of a counselee, whether intentionally or unintentionally, to use one's emotions in order to avoid personal responsibility for sin or in an effort to manipulate the counselor. While we'll always seek to love our counselees, giving them the benefit of the doubt, we also want to love them wisely. And be prepared for emotions that are going to be exploited for less than pure purposes. A growing biblical counselor will understand that emotions are part of the good and God-ordained constitution of every human being. Nevertheless, that they won't allow emotions, uh, feelings, or mood to step into the driver's seat that only belongs to the mind and then secondarily to the affections alone, whether, whether theirs or their counselees for that matter. The difference between sinful and righteous emotions may appear subtle at first, but in time, the fault line begins to grow increasingly evident. Since emotions are the language of the soul and the cry that gives the heart a voice, the pathway to distinguish the two lies along the axis of our desires. Holy desires for the glory of God, the exaltation of Christ, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, and love for others will axiomatically produce righteous emotions such as joy, compassion, love, righteous, righteous anger, and godly grief. I want to say that again because that's so critically important. Holy desires for the glory of God and the exaltation of Christ and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, those desires will axiomatically produce righteous emotions such as joy, compassion, love, righteous anger, and godly grief. On the other hand, selfish desires that revolve around a counselee's own comfort, ease, prosperity, affirmation, and esteem will always issue in sinful emotions. So sinful anger, bitterness, resentment, worry, indifference, moping, despair, misplaced delight, or or displeasure. It may take a session or two in order to begin to distinguish one from the other, but sinful and righteous emotions can and should be identified by biblical counselors for the good of our counselees in the context of a caring counseling relationship. Now, finally, we use scripture to help a counselee to begin to 
address and adjust and by the power of the Holy Spirit to cooperate with changes in improper emotions, first in helping them to see by God's grace that emotions are never to have the steering wheel of our souls. As the late J.I. Packer has wonderfully said, quote, affection may be the helm of the ship, but the mind must steer. And the chart to steer by is God's revealed truth in Holy Scripture, end quote. In this case, Packer uses the word affection in the old Puritan sense of desire, or what the Bible uh, says and we might call the heart in biblical counseling. So the target we're aiming for in the sanctification process is the thinking in our heart, particularly in this case, the thinking in the heart of our counselees. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that they set the course for our desires, which in turn give rise to godly emotions. I'll say that again because it's so critical. One follows the other. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12, 1 and 2, because our minds set the course for our desires, which in turn give rise to godly emotions. Keys to training our emotions include the absolute non-negotiable necessity of regeneration, John 3, 7. Unless we are born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. And unless we are born again, our emotions will always ride in the driver's seat of the car. Other keys to training our emotions also include meditation on scripture, Psalm 1, 1 to 3 and Romans 12, 1 to 2. Prayer, or uh, especially in the Psalms, Psalms 1 to 150 in this case. Musical worship can train our affections and our emotions, Colossians 3, 16. And then the foundational role of godly relationships in the local church, all of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 32, weigh in on this issue at that point. So emotions are the communication of our cravings, the dialect of our desires, and the articulation of our affections. But by God's grace, through the work of Christ and the application of that work applied by the Holy Spirit, we can learn to train our emotions for the glory of God, for the everlasting and ever-increasing joy of our souls, and for the ingathering and the upbuilding of Christ's church. Grace and peace.